Welcome. It is Hour 3, Backbone Radio, August 20th, 2023. Another gigantic thanks to all the text, the studio, the great, wonderful phone calls, conversations we've been having, and for the, as ever, superior work from Blake behind the glass back there. That guy, that guy, likes his 60s music, but um, the great American Eric sent in a little text. He heard my reference to Jason Aldean and his cowboy hat, <laughs> and he... he he refers to me as a saddle pal, even. The great American, we're sending you the good word from around here, along with, well, I'm trying to keep up with the text, so keep them coming. And while I have a little window, not as high a call volume at the start of this hour, I might go in on one of our signature long-form deep state segments that is quite fast. It brings a little RFK Jr., a little Newt Gingrich, and the rest of it. But, you know... Trump has the sense of humor. I think he could do better than uh, than any of the late night people by far. And again, he's beating Biden in the polls. The real clear politics polling average. Trump is now up over Biden and he's dominating the primaries. I keep pointing out primaries over. And so the way Trump describes this it might be time for the GOP to unify. Yeah. Great polls just out leading by 40, 50, and even 60 points. Who expected that? I did. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, all very strong, but also leading Biden very big. The sanctimonious is crashing. Perhaps the party should come together. People should drop out of the race. We unify and we beat Biden and the Democrats. They should be easy to beat because our country has never been in worse condition than it is right now. Thank you. There you go. I love that that sense of humor, folks. You see how you see how he's got that. It's just that it factor, and I just always find it hilarious. And the people that don't find stuff like that, you know, kind of funny on some level, they're just like missing the sense of humor part of their brain, in my opinion, which is a sad thing. It's a sad and even tragic thing. By the way, I should note this, that I had a text to studio that was sticking up for the girly Europop music, and um, I have to find it, but somebody said, no, no, we need some girly Europop music around Backbone Radio, so it has not, I have not totally decided to weed that out of our, our lineup for the bumper music, okay, so... We've got that. Um, oh, and we had a request that Blake dig up My Sweet Lord by George Harrison. And uh, we play that one from time to time. And actually, I believe we have that in our outro list right now. Yeah, it's a bump out. Not? Yeah, it's a bump out. And so we got George. George. We got George covered. We were four guys. We were in a band. We got very, very big, Blake. Very big. Anyway, we played the dance halls around the nightclubs. Anyway, I won't be doing that. But Newt Gingrich does pile this on. He's talking to Megyn Kelly, and Megyn says, uh, yeah, but so Trump wins the uh, Republican primary, but then what happens in the general? And Newt's response to that, I think this is the accurate one, which is why the left is so afraid, which is why they have to try to throw him in jail and indict him. That's why the deep state is so afraid, this existential crisis they're having over Trump. Mm. I don't have much time left, but if he becomes the nominee... 
What do you how do you like his odds of helping Republicans keep the house? Because, you know, the, the worry from some is he'll lose and that the GOP will lose the House along with him. He, he will turn out a tidal wave of voters who are deeply alienated from what they see as corruption in Washington and as economic disasters. And I suspect they will keep will win the Senate and increase the number of seats pretty dramatically in the House. Newt Gingrich. Trump will bring out a tidal wave of voters, win the House, win the Senate. And that's the thing that you don't hear the rhino establishment talk about. Trump brings out people. Trump brings out voters, people who would not vote otherwise, who would not normally vote. Trump brings them out. Yeah. And that's what the left knows. That's what the establishment knows. That's why they're so afraid of him. And they have got they have got to get him in jail, locked up, incarcerated for 450 years is the latest math on what they want to throw him in jail for. Desperate. These are desperate people. And you don't even have to, like, look through the legalese of these stupid, sham, bogus, desperate indictments. You don't have to do any of that stuff. They're all sham fraud. And the whole point is that the deep state is afraid of losing power to this guy that they just can't overcome. They just can't quite get him to shut up and go away, right? He just keeps coming back wanting to put America first, wanting to save this country. And they can't have that because out there in the Beltway, they're putting America last. And if America was suddenly put first, well, most of those folks in the Beltway and the globalists and so forth would be out of business, right? It would hit them in their pocketbooks. And if there's one thing they're fanatic about, it's their pocketbooks at the expense of your pocketbook. They want to have a much fatter pocketbook for them and a much thinner pocketbook for you. That's how this works. Don't you understand? Now, Newt Gingrich goes on, and I think this is the key, key soundbite of the week. What Newt Gingrich describes as the desperate last-ditch effort of the deep state, of the unelected, of the ruling class, they see Trump coming along. They see that, oh, gosh, he's he might just win this thing. And if he does, we unelecteds, we corrupt ruling classers, we are toast. Listen to Newt say this as only Newt can say it, just like Tulsi Gabbard and some of the other folks we talk about. They understand the deep state. They understand the stakes for 2024. OK, that's what this is all about. That it is Barack Obama who corrupts the Justice Department. It is Hillary Clinton who routinely breaks the law and gets away with it. And now we have Joe Biden who's learned. He's learned from Obama that doesn't matter what you do, if you're a liberal Democrat, you will not be prosecuted. He learned from Hillary that a person in high public office can get millions and millions of dollars. And they learned from watching Donald Trump that a true outsider willing to take on the entire system, could destroy their entire machine. So what you're seeing across the country is a desperate, last-ditch effort by a corrupt machine to destroy their most dangerous opponent in a way which not only breaks the Constitution, destroys the rule of law, and establishes a moment of bitterness uh, which I think will last for a generation or more. I think you, this is going to be a horrendous period, and we just need to understand the people who want to control America and dictate to the rest of us will break any law, 
lie about any topic and manipulate the system any way they can, and that includes a lot of the elite news media. Ooh, Newt Gingrich. Okay, I'm going to play that again when we come back from the next break. That is so dense-packed. Yes, Newt Gingrich is an academic. He has a Ph.D. He is a historian. He's written many, many books, and I've read many, many of his books. And he's uh, he's one of the few really good ones out there, um, give or take, you know, certain things, you know, along the way. But gosh, the way he describes it, last ditch, desperate effort by the people, by the people who are running the machine to try to stop this guy who is an existential threat to their existence because he might put America first. He might put the people back in charge of this country, not them, not that little sliver of pathological people who have been running this country into the ground and enriching themselves along the way. And now, yeah, here, let's, let's have World War III in the process to the military-industrial complex, you know. But they will throw the Constitution overboard, the rule of law overboard, and they will engender a moment of bitterness in this country that will last for a generation, says Gingrich. But guess what? We need to have this moment. It's coming to a head. We need to have this precise, this precise conflict, ladies and gentlemen. And if we don't win this, if we don't come out on top of this, well, you know, you, you have to kind of start thinking, there goes America. The machine controls us, you, your family, your history, your lack of borders. That's what we're looking at. We need to have this precise conflict. That's what all the arrows are pointing towards and more when we come back. Let your love flow, sings the Bellamy Brothers. And I put that song in the category of almost perfect song. You know, there's a handful of tunes out there that just are kind of perfect. And that's one of them. And that is perfect for this context, because around here, Backbone Radio, 710KNUS, your local talk leader, we do let the love flow. We love this community. We love this sense of place in America. We love the soil of this country. And we love the chance to chat with so many out there that take a moment to call in and speak with us or text in the studio. And not kidding, not exaggerating, but we're going through these moments of time together. Am I sounding like Kamala Harris? Am I, am I pulling a Kamala? We're going through these present moments in time together, and the universe, no, but our love, we, we let it flow around here. That's what it's all about. And sometimes, you know, it gets contentious once in a while, but that is the root of it. At least we like to think, at least we like to think most nights or some nights or at least tonight. How about? But Newt Gingrich, I think, brought that to the, to the exact pitch-perfect point of the real conflict that we are in in this country and the real stakes for 2024. Are we a constitution? Are we a republic? Or are we going to, again, be this little slice of the deep state tied into the oligarchs, tied into you know the administrative state, the unelected bureaucrats, the, the, the people behind the scenes who are effectively you know, disenfranchising you despising you and uh, letting, making, making sure that your voice never counts for anything. Those are the people who have gotten on top. 
We have one shot to knock these people back down, okay? And they are afraid. They are afraid. They know that it's an existential crisis for them that this guy keeps coming at them. And he's got the support of the masses. He's leading in all the polls. They can't keep him down. They've pulled every dirty trick, stunt, hoax on this guy. And he keeps going. And he keeps excelling. And it is just, this, this is a historic moment that we are sharing together. Okay, and I think you must understand these stakes. And I'll get to RFK and what he says about Pompeo and the upper echelons of the bureaucratic world don't don't like democracy. So I'll, I'll get to that. But let me just, you got to hear that, Newt, one more time, because I think this really boils it down. That it is Barack Obama who corrupts the Justice Department. It is Hillary Clinton who routinely breaks the law and gets away with it. And now we have Joe Biden who's learned. He's learned from Obama that doesn't matter what you do, if you're a liberal Democrat, you will not be prosecuted. He learned from Hillary that a person in high public office can get millions and millions of dollars. And they learned from watching Donald Trump that a true outsider willing to take on the entire system could destroy their entire machine. So what you're seeing across the country is a desperate last-ditch effort by a corrupt machine to destroy their most dangerous opponent in a way which not only breaks the Constitution, destroys the rule of law, and establishes a moment of bitterness, uh, which I think will last for a generation or more. I think you, this is going to be a horrendous period, and we just need to understand. The people who want to control America and dictate to the rest of us will break any law, lie about any topic, and manipulate the system any way they can, and that includes a lot of the elite news media. There you go. And if some outsider can go right into the gut and the heart of that machine and just flex, and just flex pretty soon, that little machine turns out to be just run by a handful of people who happen to also be corrupt and incompetent, no real skill, unloved by the masses as they know it, it takes relentless propaganda on their part, relentless censorship, relentless FBI, DOJ, deep state tricks, media hoaxes around the clock to keep them barely hanging on to power, folks. We need to have this moment. We need to face this moment. That is my advice to you. You must face it and understand it, which is why this Republican debate with the dwarves is such a trivial, trivial thing compared to the true stakes of 2024, and Trump talking with Tucker. Tucker's another person who understands these dynamics and talks openly about them, deep state-related materials. That's where the center of our attention should be, not with a bloviating Chris Christie throwing his weight around on the debate stage at 0% or an Asa Hutchinson or the rest of them, DeSantis, going straight down the tubes, destroying his political career with no political retail talent we know. Now let's get to RFK Jr. And he's talking to Tucker Carlson, a very fine interview. And I am glad that RFK Jr. is out there in the race. He has a lot of important stuff to say. Would I vote for him? No. But listen to what he says about the CIA, the upper echelon of the CIA. They do not believe in Democrat values, according to what Mike Pompeo told 
RFK Jr. looking him straight in the eyes. This is the same problem, the same part of the problem. Listen to RFK here, if you would. Bobby Kennedy and Mike Pompeo in Vegas at dinner. If I had stumbled across that, I would have stopped. It wasn't just the two of us. It was me. The rest of the group makes the story even weirder. So I'm I'm not. I'm I'm not even gonna. I I don't know if I'll even go there. But uh, (laughs) but he said to me before dinner, you know, I was having a moment with him, um, and he said to me. When he said, you know, when I was at the CIA, I did not do what I should have done to fix that agency. And he said, um, you know, I uh, and he, he was expressing regret. And he said and then he turned to me and like looked me dead in the eye and he said the entire upper echelon of that agency is made up of individuals who do not believe in the democratic institutions of the United States of America. That's a quote. But so it was Mike Pompeo who uh, convinced Trump not to release the file. And it was a guy who worked for Mike Pompeo texted me the day after I revealed that those files showed CIA complicity in your uncle's death, which they do, because I talked to someone who read them. And I said that on Fox News. And I got a text from a guy who works for Mike Pompeo informing me that I had just broken federal law and that anyone who had told me that was a felon. Uh, because we had revealed classified information. And I said, wait a second, that classified information suggests the U.S. government was involved in the murder of an American president. Yeah, that, that's Mike Pompeo's position on that. Yeah. So it's a little bit weird for him to say, I think. Well, there's a billion documents classified. Yeah, I know. Top secret, so, you know, they can call it, they can stamp that stamp on anything they want to. That's, that's a lawyer's incredible. trick, you know, to, to put... And he was also behind keeping, uh, convincing Trump not to pardon Assange. Yeah, well, you know, that confirms my earlier assessment of, uh, of Mike Pompeo. <laughs> and there you go. That is Tucker Carlson and RFK Jr. talking about Mike Pompeo. And I apologize that RFK Jr.'s voice is very sort of croaky and it's hard to maybe hear some of that. But there is... RFK Jr. saying that Pompeo told him that the entire upper echelon of the CIA does not believe in the democratic institutions of this republic, of the United States of America. And that applies to every other bureaucracy in the Beltway as well. And you know it. And Mike Pompeo says, oh, I I wish I would have done more to reform the CIA. No, Pompeo is part of the problem. Dwight Yoakam's Miner's Prayer bringing us back in. One of my top favorite all-time Dwight songs. Sometimes I use it as a sacred song, but we've got a different one tonight to bring in for this sacred number. But yeah, that Oliver Anthony, his song is now number one, Richmond, North of Richmond, the populist rebellion is kind of in the air, folks. Number one in America, number one in the world. And country guy John Rich, another of these populist country crooners out there, has the number one album right now in the United States of America. And these guys don't have record deals. They're kind of outside the system. And they have found their way to the top because we outnumber them. There are more of us than there are of them. And that's why that fragile, fragile, nervous elite running the show is so afraid of Trump 
showing up. And I'll tell you what, you got to wade through so much propaganda to get to the point on it, but people like Newt Gingrich can do it. I like to think that we can do it around here at Backbone Radio. And it's going to, you know, the more these people, the corrupt people that control the institutions and control the propaganda, the more nervous they get heading into 2024. And as they watch Trump rising in the polls, defeating Biden in the polls, and watch, yes, the listless vessels, the American people, just disgusted with the leadership of Joe Biden, whose popularity is at 38 percent, which is incredibly low for an incumbent president. That's like Jimmy Carter territory. We know what happened to Jimmy Carter, folks. The more nervous they get, the more wild it is going to get in this country. They will pull every stunt, every trick. They will pull out all the stops. And it was Michael Anton, a Claremont Institute scholar and who worked in the Trump administration, one of the most brilliant writers we have in this country, and I've interviewed him here on Backbone Radio. Michael Anton wrote an essay in the compact last summer, brilliant essay, and the headline, it was titled, They Can't Let Him Back In. And Anton wrote, the people who really run the United States of America have made it clear that they can't and won't, if they can help it, allow Donald Trump to be president again. So we're, we're having this, this moment of impact where the people on the one side and that, again, that sliver of ruling class on the other, they're going to be meeting one another. And that little sliver of ruling class knows that they are toast, toast, if Trump gets in there. And I would submit to you that this country is toast if the ruling class keeps on running this country. We are at that point. It's an existential crisis for the United States of America, for both sides. And it's a sliver of a, pe- a group of people on one side versus the broad broad masses of this country on the other. And we have got to find a way to prevail in this. Roger Kimball, reflecting along these lines, writes in American Greatness this morning, who are these people that are making it clear that they can't and won't let Trump be president again? Who are these people? Mostly Democrats, yes, says Kimball, but really it's a bipartisan, deep state consensus, a uniparty assumption that Trump being an existential threat to their continued existence, must be kept from political power by any means necessary. End quote from Kimball. So just so you understand the stakes here, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's the big picture and the big picture to keep in mind. That is the, the prime mover that explains all of the different details you see spreading out around you in the day-to-day milieu of political events that come up in the propaganda blizzard, okay? Those are the fundamentals of what's going on behind all of the noise, all right, that you, you will see around you at an increasing rapidity and furiosity as the months and months go by, okay? Now, um, phone lines are filling back up again. I'll just make one little point. What you're going to start seeing on censorship is going to be amped up. Again, these people control the ability to censor you. And, tw- and Elon Musk has been better on Twitter, but he's going to run into a, a sort of a, a problem with Twitter and that he's losing t- too much money too rapidly to keep it sustainable. So he's going to have to make some changes there. And I would submit, like in an American Spectator essay I just saw, 
that Elon's really he's going to have to start getting back to the censorship thing in order to allow the financial viability of Twitter so he doesn't completely hemorrhage his fortune, okay? But imagine the power of what Twitter has been able to do with Elon. Like, the part of the reason why this Bud Light boycott has been so profound <clears throat> and has, like, destroyed the brand of Bud Light altogether is because it's been allowed on Twitter to talk about that. Why is Oliver Anthony the number one song in the world right now? Because it's because it's been allowed on Twitter. It's like free speech on Twitter. When you control the conversation of this country, when you control the speech of this country, and you can talk about what we should be boycotting or what we should be listening to or what candidates we should be voting for, that is huge power. And you see the differences with Elon running Twitter versus the old, you know, deep state running Twitter. And the only thing is I worry that these days going to be catching back up with it. And it's, you know, it's that's a little bit more of a segment. But what the censorship people are going to do is put everybody into a silo, a silo on Facebook or on Twitter or everywhere else you want to express yourself so that, um, you know, you can have a, what seems like free speech, but you won't have any reach. You won't you won't get exposed to other to the masses and the people that pull the levers will be the ones that um, decide who gets out of their silo to spread their viewpoints more widely or get get more exposure, if that makes sense. And so get ready for that to be. And that ties into why I think there's this movement to try to get rid of AM radio or FM radio in cars. Because right now anybody can get to their radio and just press a button or turn the dial on their radio and, like, listen to this station, listen to, you know – People, you don't, you don't, it's hard to silo that. Does that make sense? Anybody can go press that button. But if things are digitized and plugged into the matrix, then they can kind of control, they can shut you off the moment they want to. They can shut down your account. They can censor your account. Everything they're trying to, 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 to narrow down to this one little group, make everything digital so that a small group of people sitting at a table can press buttons and eliminate whatever voice they want to eliminate. It's harder to do it with AM radio, which is where I'm banging away from right now. See, there's going to be a big push on that. And that will be a very, very dark time if that ends up happening, okay? They're going to have to try to funnel it to a small group of people who can press the buttons to control what we talk about and don't talk about in this country. That's the part of the matrix that we have to be cracking through and breaking through. We've seen a glimmer of it with what can happen with Elon changing Twitter, okay? But Facebook has been a disaster and a nightmare, and the mainstream media is completely hopeless and controlled and Orwellian territory, as we all know. I'm going to do more segments on this as time goes on. I'm a little bit tighter on time on that stuff right now. But it's just some stuff to think over, okay? And I'm throwing a lot out. I know. I know. But let's, uh, let's start saying some, some hellos here. And Alan, next up from Lakewood, Colorado. Welcome, Alan. Thank you, Matt. First, I really want to thank you for having Randy's back during his difficult times. You did oh, a great job. You bet, Alan. And I don't always listen Brother to Randy. time. You're yes. doing a great job here. Um, something I didn't bring up when I called in, but uh, I just suddenly realized in the last couple of days that Oliver Anthony has stepped into the shoes of Bob Dylan as a great songwriter. Interesting. Not a great musician, not a great voice but expressing the spirit of the times totally independently and doing it uh, just right stroke on. Uh, then the, the other thing that I wanted to ask about, 
I've heard that, uh, and I, I think it's true, that Nikki Haley and Tulsi Gabbard, amongst hundreds of others, are graduates of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leader Program. Have you uh, run across anything like that? You know, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I think I have seen that about both of them, but I can't say for sure. And I think it definitely took with Nikki Haley, but I don't think it took with Tulsi Gabbard. I have uh, been following her for long enough and listened to her speak enough and, uh, you know, listen to her. She goes on with the Jack Jack Carr podcast routinely and um, that I think she's the real deal. She's going to still be left of center in a lot of key ways, so I wouldn't like be wanting to vote for her. But I think she's a very important voice to have out there on the left. And I think she is very anti-America last, very anti-World Economic Forum. And so I that that's where I would at least be right now on that until I see something otherwise. But it's interesting to I, I've seen a few people say hedge their bets on uh, on Tulsi. So good point you're making, Alan. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. And uh, any oh okay, I guess that was it for Alan. Thank you, sir, for being here. And if you're on the phone lines, hang on. We'll come back after this break, going out to a little George Strait action, which you just cannot beat. Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio, after this. Jerry Lewis, the killer, bringing us back in with the old rugged cross. That's my favorite version that I have heard of the old rugged cross. And earlier we played the old Chisholm Trail by Gene Autry. So we're playing the old stuff tonight in some ways. But does that rugged cross ever get old? You know the answer to that. No, it does not. Anyway, Jerry Lee, boy, does he ever nail this one. The old rugged cross. That's our sacred number tonight. And boy, I'll tell you, I've sure been in the spirit of these sacred numbers, especially going back a, a good long while now. And it's uh, it's just important to bring those out. And that also helps you see the big picture and keep your perspective. Thanks for being here, Saddle Pals. And by gosh, I had a uh, real nice text to studio, uh, you know, a whole bunch, but one said, by gosh, this is Destination Radio, Backbone Radio. I wouldn't miss this show for anything, end quote. By gosh, thank you for taking a moment to send something like that in. We are trying hard. We are working hard around here, and it's, I just, you feel that conviction that's important to get some of these truths out there, at least get them out there and see what happens. It's a key moment, and if we're going to lose this country, at least you know we went out speaking the truth when that that nasty bunch of deep staters that Newt Gingrich was describing, Michael Anton was describing, RFK Jr. was describing, Roger Kimball was describing in this segment, if they get the upper hand this time, let's not let it happen. Let's not let it happen. Remember the story a month ago I did a monologue about this elephant that is tied up by this little tiny rope to this little tiny stake in Bangalore. And someone asks, hey, how come how come that elephant, which is this huge giant elephant, just doesn't realize it can't just jerk that stake out of there and just walk away? It just feels like it's all tight. So, and the, the elephant trainer said, well, when these elephants are little, I tie them up to these stakes 
And then when they get older, they never realize that they, that they have any power to get away from these stakes. Does that make sense? Let's realize that, that we are in that moment. Just, just, just watch this play out. At any rate, just two things before the phones. We've got, uh, we've got CNN, two CNN clips. CNN is kind of getting nervous. Harry Enten, who's the one, he's kind of an accurate pollster. He's over at CNN. They actually bring him on, and he drops a little truth on him once in a while, and he says, guess what? Trump is even stronger in 2024 than he was in 2020. Trump can win this thing, and, you know, the CNN people are looking like, oh, my gosh, oh, oh. here. This is Quinnipiac University. It was a two-point race in February. Look where it is now. It's a one-point race. That's well within the margin of error. But take away one thing from this and one thing only if you take away only one thing. And that is, I think there are a lot of Democrats who simply can't believe that Donald Trump can be elected president again. The polling indicates that Trump is, in fact, in a stronger position at this point than he was during the entire 2020 campaign, according to the national polls. If we had state-level polling, I wouldn't even be surprised if Trump were ahead in the swing states that are most important, Jim. There you go. Harry Enten. By the way, Harry Enten kind of tries to sound like a 1940s baseball broadcaster, doesn't he, from the East Coast? like that guy's sort of his shtick, but he's on CNN, so it can't be that cool. And yeah, I mentioned this a few times, Trump is ahead of Biden in the real clear politics, political polling average for 2024. Trump is now ahead of Biden. And Harry Enten's out there telling Democrats, he can win, he can win, make no mistake, he can win. Meanwhile, Jake Tapper is having another moment of awareness, realizing that, oh, gosh, Trump was right Uh, back in the debates. Trump was right. Tapper knows that Trump was right, but he's a propagandist sort of paid to do the opposite. But at least he comes out and mouths this once in a while. Kristen, uh, Glenn Kessler from The Washington Post uh, had a fact check about Joe Biden uh, from earlier this month, um, noting that Hunter Biden admitted in court in July that he was, in fact, paid substantial sums uh, from Chinese companies. Kessler wrote, Hunter Biden reported nearly $2.4 million in income in 2017 and $2.2 million in income in 2018, most of which came from Chinese or Ukrainian interests. And this directly goes against what Joe Biden said in the debate in 2020 uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Take a listen. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. What you None of that is president. true. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. So it's from two different debates, but, I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China, and Joe Biden was wrong. I don't know that he was lying about it. He might not have been told by Hunter, but this blind spot is a problem. Oh, really, Jake? Yeah, yeah. He, he might not have been lying. He might not have known. Yeah, right, Jake Tapper. The only reason why Jake Tapper is allowed to allow a little truth out there on CNN, again, is that the word has gone out that the Democrat insiders, the deep state, want to get somebody else like Newsom instead of Biden for 2024. Okay, that's the only reason why CNN's Tapper, after lying for all these years, lying, 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 all the spygate, all the hoaxes. I mean, Tapper is like the worst of the worst. But then he has to come out and correct this because he's been told that, okay, we have to, like, you know, take down Biden now. See, you see, and that's part of also why Harry Enten on CNN is saying that, oh, it looks like Trump might be ahead of Biden. You see, this is part of how they 
ease Biden out, and I don't know if Biden's game for that. We'll see. It's kind of a mess to be a Democrat right now, isn't it? There's a lot of fun on the Republican side, unless you're on Team DeSantis, which no one is. Let's say hello to Mike in Littleton. Hello, Mike. Hello, Matt. Uh, another masterpiece tonight. Uh, congrats to you. Uh, good music, uh, good uh, author recommendations. Uh, Michael Anton, CRB. Right Claremont on. Review. Yes, yes. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, oh, Dwight Yoakam. More and maybe some, uh, um, what's his name? Buck Owens. Oh, Buck. I love to play Buck. Yeah. Kelly Michaels All right. uh, like, likes Buck, too. He loves it when we play Buck around here. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm calling. I wondered if you saw anything. I picked this up in the Gateway Pundit. Um, the, they released a police report about five to 10,000 illegal ballots that were submitted during the 2020 election, presidential election, um, in a little town, I believe it was Muskegon, Michigan. Right. Michigan Gateway Pundit has nailed something on that. There's been a lot of commentary on that from Voices I Respect. And it sure seems like they've got something. They've got a smoking gun in Michigan. And we talked about it a bit last week. I think it's GBI Strategies was the one they named involved in uh, some ballot shenanigans. Of course, I'd love to see that dialed in and spread uh, wildly in the media. But, um, you know, I think, by the way, apparently I saw a poll that 70 some percent of GOP voters do not believe that Biden legitimately won the 2020 election. And that he got 81 million votes, 70 uh, some percent. What? Isn't that amazing? No, uh, yeah, it's amazing. But I uh, all the what, propaganda, so the contrary. Strange. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, I just I what I I'm pessimistic because I don't see any changes from 2020 going into you're right. 2020. Yep, you're right. That's why we got to win by a lot, a whole lot. Thank you, Saddle Pals. We'll see you soon.